Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 45 of the Haskin Cast podcast. I am your host, Scott Haskin, and we're here to talk about stuff. Um, this week, I'm going to do kind of a preliminary thing to what I'm planning on doing this summer, which is a review of each of these Stranger Things episodes. I think it might be kind of fun, and maybe some of the insight that I have might be a little bit different from what's going to be going around the internet. We'll see. Uh, maybe it'll be exactly the same. God only knows. But I thought it would be fun, and some people that I had uh, talked to about it and then uh, responded pretty nicely, and then when I put it on the internet, I got some positive response. So I thought, well, what the hell? Why not? If it doesn't feel good, if people aren't digging it, then I'll just stop, because why would I keep doing it if I'm not enjoying it? And if you're not enjoying it, that's just silly. So that's the plan um, for the summer. It's not going to take... Uh, uh, replace it's not going to replace the interviews that I'm going to be doing normally. But uh, with artists, a lot of times during the summer, they've got a lot of co- uh, summer concerts, summer performances for plays and different things like that. So it's really kind of a hard time to uh, get somebody on necessarily every week. And so this will kind of help make sure that the show runs uh, continuously, which is really important to me. I um, haven't taken uh, a single week where there hasn't been an episode. So uh, that'll help and uh, hopefully it'll be fun. And I know that there's a lot of fans of the show. So if you're not a fan of the show, you might not be excited about that. Maybe you'll become a fan. Who knows? So I've just returned from Phoenix Fan Fusion down in uh, downtown Phoenix at the convention center. I was only able to be there on Saturday and I spent most of the time running around trying to find the people that I wanted to see, even though I knew what booth numbers they were at. But uh, things were kind of a mess over in Artist Alley with the numbering system and people weren't where they were expecting to be. And then uh, another friend of mine, I just flat out did not see their sign. Uh, But I did end up finding everybody that I wanted to connect with there as far as uh, anyone that had anything on display. Uh, Got to hang out with uh, Justin Chung, who's an amazing artist. Uh, He does a lot of the uh, Star Wars trading cards, Battlestar Galactica, all kinds of really cool uh, things. And then uh, Victoria Page, uh, they're always uh, there together at a table. And they were both just very busy talking to people and signing autographs and stuff, taking pictures and whatnot. But it's always great to catch up with them. Um, I only usually get to see Justin at, well, it used to be Comic-Con. And they changed the name to Fan Fusion. I'm not sure why. But I usually only get to see him there. So that was great. And that the last time I was there was 2014. So it had been quite a while. Uh, and then, I, you know, it's always great to see Victoria. She's been on the show a couple of times. They're, they're just about done shooting her new feature, Maya, uh, in which she plays Maya. And uh, I, I guess that's uh, just about done. They've got like some pickup scenes and stuff to do for her. And then uh, saw uh, my friend Amanda, Amanda at Modified Minds. She makes some of the most amazing costumes. In fact, she's done quite a few that Victoria has worn in different shoots that she's done. And uh, she's done a lot of work for people. And it's just, you know, top quality, absolutely amazing. Had a really nice booth there at uh, Fan Fusion. And even while I was there, she was sewing up something for somebody and uh, just, you know, constantly on the go. But she's very creative. Uh, if you're looking to have something made, uh, she would be definitely one of the people that I would go to and say, is this something you can do? How long would it take? Are you available? That sort of thing. Um, she does a lot of cosplay uh, outfits and things like that too. So uh, definitely like, and, and she's such a high caliber person, you know, somebody that you kind of just like want to hang out with and talk to. And about every five minutes, you just want to give her a hug. Cause she's so awesome. And then uh, I went to summer Helene's panel that she does every year at Comic-Con summer was one of my first guests on the show. 
And uh, I got to hang out with her quite a bit when I lived in, in California. And uh, she does a panel on, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but it's like blood and guts in movies. But it's basically about how violence and sex sells in film and why it does and that sort of thing. It's a really interesting. The audience always asks interesting questions. I've been to it a couple times now. And uh, it's always highly enjoyable. And this time she was joined by her radio show guest, Paul Michael Bolin. And they do uh, the radio show every Friday on um, Voice America Network. I've been on the show a couple times. It starts at 4 p.m. Pacific. I can't speak anymore because I've been speaking so much the last couple of days. Um, 4 p.m. Pacific time on Voice America. And it's a cool show. I've been a guest on it a couple times over the years. Um, very, very fun. A lot of Hollywood stuff. They do some stuff that's about politics, which for me isn't my thing. In fact, I do everything I can to avoid political discussions or political knowledge or anything because it just doesn't help me do what I do. And that's just me. Uh, takes a lot of effort, though, to wipe as much of that away from your world as you possibly can. Fortunately, while I was in town, I did get to meet up with some very, very dear friends of mine, some of the people that are are in my closest inner circle. And that was uh, amazing. I mean, that alone would have been worth a trip to go down to Phoenix for a weekend and and just, you know, meet up with friends that I, I just don't get to see. And these are people that I keep in, in very close contact with, but they're not people that I can, you know, sit across the table from and have a cup of coffee or muffin or, or lunch or something. So it was really great to be able to do that. And then I headed up to uh, Chino Valley to my dad's place and I'd never been there. So that was pretty cool up in the mountains and just a beautiful view of town from just about every direction. Uh, lives like way up on a hill somewhere. And um, then uh, saw a couple of friends of mine that live in Sedona uh, really quickly. It was going to be a very quick stop, but then, you know, conversation rolls and I ended up leaving uh, Arizona about four and a half hours later than I wanted to. So by the time I got the rental car back and everything it was like one thirty in the morning, and uh, my throat was completely just at the end of its rope. I don't think I could have said two or three more words and uh, just been drinking hot tea all day to get it back in uh, shape so I could do the podcast for you to release tonight. So that's what's going on here. Um, I've hit another snag with the Addicted album that I'm not sure quite how I'm going to overcome, but I will find a way to do it and get that album out at some point. Um, it's getting to the point where I'm going to have to put it aside here pretty soon to finish up this year's uh Third and final Haunted Holidays album. Uh, the songs are mostly written. I've got a lot of it recorded. Um, I've just, I just want to do some things uh, in addition to it to kind of thicken up the background music and stuff a little bit. Uh, but all the voice work and everything is done. And uh, yeah, I, so I'm looking forward to getting that one finished. And uh, Kelly's working on the uh, album art. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what she's done. And then as soon as we've got that all taken care of, then it'll go over to my friend Rebecca Poole to do the lettering. And uh, then off to CD Baby for distribution all over the place. And that will come out uh, probably between a week and two weeks before Halloween. Um, that's usually the target goal. And that, um, maybe a little earlier. We'll see. But that's all down the road. So let's talk about what we're here to talk about today, which is the trailer for Stranger Things Season 3. Um, I'll just talk briefly about the first trailer because I, I didn't actually see it until after I had seen the, uh, the official full trailer that actually talks about the show, but they basically did a, a commercial advertisement for a new mall that's coming to their town. And, uh, obviously that's going to play a pivotal role in the show. 
I would imagine there's going to be things that will take place there as far as like the monsters or, and there'll probably be a version of it in the upside down, I would imagine, which is going to kind of raise a question as to the, I guess the lore of the show as to how the upside down really works. Because if the upside down formed before this mall was there and then the mall appears in the upside down, is this something that's sort of mirroring the town live action wise, or is it, replicating as it goes or how does this work because we really haven't had a full-on explanation as to what the upside down is uh there's some fan uh fiction out there that says that the upside down is their town after it's been through a nuclear war um in in sort of like maybe a parallel dimension or something and then obviously it's you know the their town on another timeline uh really kind of interesting um when the show doesn't explain things and people are really into understanding things that the show's not ready to talk about how people form their opinions. And of course, now that we have avenues for anybody to say anything that, that's on their mind, really cool to kind of see what other people think. Because growing up, we didn't really have that. Of course, we had mostly sitcoms and cartoons. We didn't have shows like this that would have uh, warranted conversations, I don't think. Um, sitcoms are mostly episode to episode. I mean, yeah, they have an online uh, an ongoing progression, but other than maybe a two-part or possibly a three-part episode, most sitcoms are the story begins and ends within that episode. And then there's always the ongoing, you know, this is our family. Here's our continuing saga. But really, everything is wrapped up from beginning to end in one episode. So for shows that that we have now that are really more ongoing storyline builds, um, and, and, you know, there's this has been going on for a while, but I'm talking back in like the late 70s to, to early to mid 80s. Um, now that we have this, it's so much more interesting to watch television now. And see these storylines developed. And they're almost, they're, they're kind of like soap operas, but just not as over the top with as how crazy they use, they need to get since they're doing, you know, 52 episodes or uh, what, uh, uh, 52 weeks a year. Most weeks they're running five episodes. So that's a lot of writing to have to do, even though they have typically a ton of characters to work with. You know, the storylines can only go so far to stay interesting and a lot of times they have to throw in things. I remember growing up, whenever I would stay home from school, um, I would always watch Days of Our Lives. And it was just insane, the people coming back from the dead and all this stuff. And I'm like, where is this happening that this is such a common occurrence? And uh, I don't know, the whole thing was really weird. So uh, it's nice to see like reasonable progressions, intelligent storylines and things like that. I'm really enjoying that. So the the trailer the teaser trailer the first one is basically a commercial for this mall done in very very early 80s style uh they talk about stores that that i i forgot all about sam goody and there's a sam goody in this mall um walden books i knew of and uh i don't remember there actually being walden book stores in the malls that i knew i remember b dalton's bookstores we had a walden books that was a standalone but i don't really remember Walden books in the mall. And there, there could have been, I just might not remember it properly, but um, there were definitely B Dalton stores. And I even remember the smell of them, but uh, it's, it was actually kind of cool to see malls done in the old school style with the, the lettering of the signs, the way they used to be. Cause I grew up in that mall time. That was a very common thing in towns to have a mall, you know, in, in, in at least a couple malls in every major city, 
usually two, maybe three, if the CD was big enough or they were spread out enough. And because mostly we had strip malls before that, you know, the stores that are just, you walk outside and go in from one store to another all in a straight line. But the malls were great because everything was contained inside. You didn't have to go outside. You had movie theaters, you had arcades, you had candy stores, soda shops, record stores, and then of course, all the clothing stores and then collectible stores and stuff. So it was a great place to just go hang out and uh, meet up with friends, grab a pizza, uh, go see a movie, go shopping, especially like at Christmas time was always a great time to be at a mall. And if it was too hot outside or if the weather was really bad, stormy, another time uh, that was great to be in a mall. So they were really great. And we still have them, but they're just not, they're not what they used to be. And maybe it's that I've gotten older and because I'm not with the, the youthful trends that I don't like them as much. But they seem to be emptier. It's They're just replicas now from one mall to another. It seems to be a, a pattern of what they have. And I think the end of it for me was when JCPenney's pulled out. That was kind of a, a big deal as far as where the, the future of the malls was going to be. Uh, to me, that's a pretty telltale sign. And now there's so many aman- abandoned malls across the country. And uh, there's actually one mall, I think it's in Texas, that that recently got purchased by a college. And they're actually expanding the college into the mall. So they're going to have all kinds of cool places to do different things. And I know there's going to be like a recording studio and stuff. So that's awesome. I mean, let's utilize the the space that we've taken up. Obviously, they're going to have plenty of parking for the students and for people when they do shows or concerts or things. So kind of a, a really out of the box to me, at least, but a really neat idea. So that's the first trailer. And then, of course, at the end of the trailer... Uh, the last store that they talk about, because, you know, they're just kind of running through, we have this store and that store and, and you know, trying to get people excited. The last store that they show or is, a, is a restaurant, which is an ice cream shop where uh, Steve is now working. And of course, Steve had a big character arc um, in the last season where he went from being this just douchebag guy that that, you know, was manipulative and uh, angry and hateful to helping the kids out and kind of really befriending them and turning it into now he's kind of a good guy sort of thing. I don't know if that's going to last. It's interesting because people, sometimes extreme situations will change people and sometimes it just changes them for a temporary amount of time. So I'm going to be curious to see what happens with his character as time goes by. And we're going to circle back to this because he appears at the end of this uh, main trailer that I'm talking about. And of course I'm going to have the link to the, to the main trailer in the show notes. Um, but, uh, I'm definitely curious to see, cause that was a very unexpected twist for me, at least in, in season two, I didn't expect them to befriend him, although I really should have seen that coming and, uh, kind of really liked how he interacted with the kids, how he really kind of took charge of being, you know, as much as he could, uh, until he got beat up. So that's, uh, that was the interesting part of the ending of the teaser trailer. And then the, the actual trailer starts out with, I'm kind of guessing that they go their separate ways for the summer or he went away or something happened because he says something to one of his uh, animals, or I think it was that that something like, well, at least somebody missed me. So I get the fact that he's been separated from the group for why I don't know, probably not important what the reason is, but for whatever reason, that's how they decided to set this up. And they kind of do that. They kind of find ways to separate the kids and make them, go away from each other, but yet come back when it's important, which I kind of like. I like that they're not just all grouped together and their dynamic is perfect and happy at every moment. They fight a lot. They disagree a lot. They go off on their own a lot. 
And uh, I think that's kind of cool because in most other things I've seen, it's the, you know, we've all got to stick together and it's us against the world, but it's, it's us against the world, but it's also at times us against each other, which I think is a great dynamic. And that's one of the things that I've loved about the show since the beginning. And let me take a step back before I really get into the trailer, because first of all, the reason I wanted to do this is because I absolutely love the show. I think it's fantastic. I think it's very different from anything really that I've seen. You could compare it to the Goonies. You can compare it to Stand By Me with the camaraderie of four teenage boys. Uh, But really, it's kind of its own thing. And I love the setting because I grew up in the 80s. I was born in 72. So this is kind of my time frame. So it brings back a lot of memories and familiarity with the, the style of dress, the music and all of that. But I think that they really just nailed a great cast. And that is probably the most important component, because even if you have times where the writing drops a little bit, if you love the the players, you can enjoy the game. And I think that they've just come up with some absolutely amazing characters in this. The the great um, combination of actors that just work so well together, and uh, they they really did well. The only thing that I I have to say that I don't like as far as that goes is that. Um, it, for the first season, I had a really hard time remembering who was Will and who was Mike. I just couldn't keep them straight for some reason, even though it was, you know, they're not yelling to Mike when Will's on the screen or or whatever, but it, they just look too similar to me. And that's kind of one of the issues that I have in general. And I remember watching, I think it was Rogue One, the Star Wars uh, spinoff movie. And I thought, why why is every guy in this film somebody that looks basically the same? short, dark hair, small face, you know, it was almost like they said, we want a bunch of people that look like this, and then we're going to cast them. Because it gets hard to keep track of people if they all look alike. It's nice to have a little diversity, you know, put a blonde guy in there, put a, you know, put a person with a a streak of purple in their hair, do something that really makes them stand out visually so that you can get to know these people as an individual. And um, so that's my one, you know, one issue with casting as far as that goes. But uh, overall, I think as far as the particular people that they chose, I think they did an amazing job. The challenge is because this season has is starting, what, half a season late. Uh, I think last two started in October, I want to say October, maybe November. But I want to say it was around Halloween. And this third season isn't starting until July, a year and a half after the last season. So, um it's it's been a really long time and since you're dealing with young kids obviously they're growing very quickly so you start to have continuity issues and uh it, it you know now they're going to have to explain how there's such a sudden growth spurt in these kids how much time has passed and maybe that's why uh they come in with Dustin going at least somebody missed me meaning that time has passed between the end of season 2 and the beginning of season 3 that would be my guess i don't know that that's what they're going to do but i guess we'll find out in uh, in a little over a month on July 4th when the season premieres on Netflix. So just, I, I loved season one. And even though I say I love the show and I do, I didn't actually like that much of season two. I thought the whole premise of Dustin being the one to hide valuable information from his friends. If it had been anyone else, I probably would have been okay with it. But it being Dustin, who was the one who specifically was sort of the glue that kept that group together. Even though I understand that he, you know, he really cared about this animal 
he just met this thing. He They have the suspicion it's from the upside down or obviously somewhere not good because it's very aggressive. It's growing at a rapid rate. It's not a good thing to have that he took his newfound love for this new animal and really separated himself from the group, which was the thing that uh, kind of set them all apart a little bit from each other in this season. And uh, so I just didn't really care for that. And that really kind of ruined a lot of the season for me, because if that's how it's set up, then anything that becomes an effect of that or is done as an effect of that decision uh, is poisoned by it. So uh, just for me, I mean, I might be the only one on earth that even looks at it that way. Very possible. It wouldn't surprise me. But that's how I feel about that. Apart from that, I thought the progression was pretty good. I thought the writing was really good. I loved the entrance of a new female character. I thought that was great. And uh, and obviously that adds a little more distance with uh, with Eleven. And uh, But hopefully, and, and what I'm gathering from this trailer is that it's going to be a bond uh, that that will be a new form sort of sisterhood between her and, and, uh, and Eleven because they're the only two girls. So Eleven hasn't had any real female uh, connection except for her sister and that didn't work out too well. So I'm kind of hoping that that they'll have a bond and she can just kind of learn what it's like to be a, a girl growing up in the 80s and have a friend that she can talk to and gossip with. And maybe that'll make her a little less uh, science experiment and a little more human being, which I think at this point would be a nice balance because we've already showed she has emotions. Um, you know, her and Mike uh, obviously have a connection as we've seen. There's some sexual chemistry going on for what would be sexual chemistry at their age. And uh, so it, it would be nice to have her also just be able to be a regular girl and enjoy life as a regular human being before things get all crazy again, which, of course, they're going to. Because why would you have a, a, a season of Stranger Things where there isn't some giant catastrophe or, uh, you know, monster or monsters to fight? I that What would be the point of the show? Because that's what it's really all about. Um to get back to the trailer, so so anyway, so I've said it, Dustin comes in, he's like, oh, I'm glad somebody cares, because I'm guessing he expected his friends to just be there, and, and I'm sure that would have been nice, but they weren't. And then, of course, they, it turns out that they really are, and uh, they all connect, and they start being happy, and then it goes into a montage of different things that are happening throughout the the town. And you kind of get, you kind of touch base with all the main people. You know, you, you touch base with uh, Winona Ryder's character, uh, Joyce, and you touch base with um, Jim Hopper, and uh, and I still wonder if that isn't a uh, a Predator reference or not. Because I, I think in Predator, I can't remember if it was Hopper or Harper. I want to say it was Harper, so it might not be, but it seems very similar. And I gotta say, I really like the actor that plays Jim. Uh, I think he's a, a very good actor. Um, uh, but. And I love the speech that he gave at the end of the first year at the award ceremony. But there's a part of me that kind of wishes that John Goodman got that role. I think it could have been really interesting if John Goodman was playing the sheriff on the show. I think he's probably the the only other person that comes to mind that um, I would have liked to have seen in, in the show. But I think this guy's great. I think he's done a great job. Um, I think his expressions are great. I think you really feel a sense of... Um, that he's really torn between different things that are happening in his life. And of course, the the uh, the loss of his child that that he's still toiling over and will for the rest of his life. So uh, yeah, but they they really I think for the most part play him really well. He gets a little erratic sometimes, which I think is kind of cool. And I like that they're writing him that way because it shows really more a human side of of characters than actors typically get to portray. 
usually they they they're you know they have to act within a certain confine and it seems like he's been being given a, a wider scope to really explore emotion and anger and uh yeah i'm part of this police force but i'm really on my own and uh, I, I think it's really cool. I think that's very, very good writing. And I think that they found a, a great guy to do the acting for that. So uh, I would love to have seen John Goodman in that role, but I'm perfectly happy to see uh, this actor. I think he's he's fantastic. And uh, I, I'm kind of wondering, I think that there, there's been also sort of a, a chemistry between uh, him and Joyce. And I'm wondering if this might not be the season that they get together. Or they really start building that storyline maybe for season four. They kind of allude to it a little bit in the trailer. He's all dressed up at this restaurant sitting at a table by himself. And he seems like he's waiting for somebody. Uh, All around him are couples sitting at tables, not a bunch of kids and things like that. And so I'm wondering, and then they, they, they switch to her sitting at home eating dinner on the couch. So... I don't know if they're just saying that to go, Hey, maybe we're going this direction and they never really do because they're really good at being misleading in these trailers. You know, the, the trailers from the previous seasons, they were really good at showing things one way, but really taking the show in a different direction. So there, there might not be anything, but now that she's lost her previous boyfriend because he got eaten by monsters, I'm kind of wondering if, uh, if there isn't going to be a little bit of grieving time for her and then, uh, and then maybe some some connection to Hopper. So we'll see. We'll have to keep an eye on where that goes and uh, and and watch as it progresses and seeing what we can predict by the by each episode as it goes on. Unless of course they just hook up in the first episode and then that'll be the end of that because then we'll know. So the first forty three seconds of this three minute and twelve second trailer is all about this uh, this thing with Dustin building tension and. Um, really making him feel isolated. And and he's like the one that you really feel bad for because he seems to be the one that tries the hardest to keep everybody together and, you know, uh, uh, keep, keep everyone happy and make the peace so that, that they can keep going on as the group that they are. But so anytime that anything is happening with him, you kind of like automatically feel bad, I think, or at least I do, or that's the way that they're setting it up, which is really well done. So that's the first 44 seconds of the trailer is just all of that. And then it goes into Baba O'Reilly by The Who, which is is a song I particularly have always loved. And um, then it goes from there into the, you know, of course, the Netflix logo. And then uh, they're going up a hill, putting up some sort of antenna for what purpose. We have no idea. They don't tell us anything about that. And uh, and then it then things start getting crazy from there. So this is the point now where they're already showing that there's going to be another overlying thing that separates them. And that thing this year is going to basically be puberty. The, the scene starts cutting to uh, kind of where I'm thinking that things are going to go uh, between Eleven and Maxine, where they're sitting on a bed, hanging out together. And it looks like they're kind of bonding. And then uh, then they're intercutting different sequences with the guys. And, and you hear a voiceover saying that, you know, you didn't think we were going to be playing Dungeons and Dragons in the basement forever. And, uh, you know, obviously they're changing. Their bodies are changing. Their focuses are changing. Their interests, their desires, everything is changing. And we've all been through it. We know what that's like. So, of course, dynamics will adjust as, as lives adjust. And they're kind of showing, though, that that's going to be the the big conflict aside from obviously there's going to be some kind of paranormal or upside down conflict or conflict with the the science center with uh, if, if Matthew Modine really isn't dead, because there's a lot of speculation that maybe he's not. 
Um, I thought it was actually kind of cool to see some of the stars that they brought back from that time frame. Um, uh, Matthew Modine was a nice surprise. Obviously, Sean Astin, uh, Paul Reiser was another one. Maybe bring back John Goodman. And uh, it, it's really neat to kind of see these people that are associated with that time frame and then present them in a different light, but kind of keeping the context of, oh, yeah, I knew them from this time period as well or close to that time period. Because I think Paul Reiser mainly was a little bit later, wasn't he? I think when he was doing Mad About You, wasn't I think that was like later 80s or early 90s, maybe. I don't know. I have no reference of time anymore. It's all just kind of a blur when you get to this age. So they're really kind of going for that. Again, now they've put Dustin uh, with the city background behind him. And again, it looks like they're isolating him from everyone else, which is kind of interesting because I kind of hoped that they were only going to do that in season two, that the creature would only kind of isolate him in that. And then they would just leave him alone for a while. But it looks like that may or may not be the case. But again, remember what I said, they're really good at being deceptive in these trailers. Um, any, Any ads that I've seen for these shows have just been, okay, I know that these scenes are going to be in there, but I don't even know what the scenes mean because they're not giving me enough of a context. Musically, they're trying to send me in one direction. Voiceovers, they're trying to send me in a direction. The expressions that they show in the clips are trying to send you in a direction. And it's usually not the direction that they're really going to go in. So it definitely keeps it interesting as far as the viewer goes. It's almost pointless to have a trailer, really, because you're you're telling very little and you're probably making people think things that are not the way they're going. But that definitely makes it a, a longer journey to figure out where things are actually going. So they're not really worthless. I mean, they're always worth doing. But uh, as a viewer to watch them and go, well, I'm going to see what I can learn from this trailer. And you know that most of it is misdirected. Um, how much good does it do you except to sit here for an hour and do a podcast on it? And hopefully people are still listening. So in the middle of all this, you know, separation stuff, then they cut to this cute little scene um, with with uh, Steve Harrington in his ice cream shop uniform, which he's dressed sort of like a sailor, which is really funny with his 80s hair. It just it just looks weird. But uh, but it makes sense because when you work in a restaurant where you have to have a uniform, like I worked at Burger King, so I had to have my Burger King shirt and hat and all that stuff. I also worked at Wendy's for like four hours and hated it. So uh, they show him and Dustin are kind of playing around sword fighting at the restaurant in front of this girl who could care less. And it's interesting because he was the one that connected with Steve in the first place and brought him into the group. And then he's obviously being isolated from everybody. And now he's sword fighting with Steve playfully So you kind of think like, okay, so now maybe he's looking for like a big brother kind of situation. And since Steve lost the girl, he's got nothing going on. And uh, so I kind of wonder, you know, where this is headed, but it kind of is all looking like it's fitting together again, if this is the right direction. But um, Dustin gets separated. He's looking for a buddy. Oh, you know what? Look, Steve's hanging out at the ice cream shop. I'll go talk to Steve for a minute. And then they start building some sort of bond. Um. I could be wrong, but uh, but I think at least in part that will go. And of course, th- these things change so quickly that uh, that may be a, a one episode thing, or it could be one for one minute, and then something happens, and then they never talk to each other again. You just you just never know. But definitely interesting that uh, the connection that those two that they've been building since uh, about midway through season two. So next, the the new music really kicks in, and now they're kind of promoting the mall. They start with this pan over what looks like it's a carnival, 
which is probably going to be in the parking lot of the mall. Um, that was a very common thing back in the 80s because they had such large parking lots. Um, there would be a carnival in the mall. Some of the strip malls used to have them too. I remember by us, the strip mall had one, but then also the actual main mall that was down the street from us had one. Um, always fun to go to. Don't ever go on the rides. I mean, they're you know just thrown up and down so quickly that there, there was always some kid getting hurt every year. But uh, they still do this now. In fact, in front of, um, Pal- uh, what was it? Sunset Station Casino. I think they do a carnival every year. Um, but the games were always fun, like throwing darts at balloons and the shooting galleries and stuff like that. And then you can win crap prizes that'll end up in your basement and you'll never look at again. So it's worth it. Uh, so they, they now they're in the mall. They go over the carnival into the mall. And there they are. There's Maxine and Eleven hanging out together at the mall. Um, this is really the first time Eleven's seen anything like this. So she's kind of taking it all in. Whereas Maxine's like, hey, this is a lot of fun. And she's just smiling and getting all excited. And then then they're starting to still intercut those voiceovers that are trying to lead you to, to see what's going on. And the voiceover that comes in there is uh, Hopper's where he's saying, I want you to feel safe, uh, you know, in this town. And of course, as the sheriff, yeah, that's the goal. You want everybody to feel safe. But you definitely get the, the idea that he's talking to uh, Winona Ryder's character, Joyce. Uh, but again, he may be talking about 11 or 211 because now that she's out into the town and interacting with people and just walking around, it could easily be directed toward her where they're trying to gear it in the trailer to make it look like he's speaking to uh, Joyce and leading me again towards that path of I think that they're probably going to hook up at some point, especially now that Sean Aston's out of the picture. So then the music keeps playing and they go to fairly quick cuts of different things. Uh, a lot of scenes with battles and lightning and people storming out of doors. And then uh, it kind of ends this, this culmination of the trailer ends with uh, you get pretty much everybody in the shot, all the kids um, you get uh, Jonathan, who we haven't even talked about yet. And Nancy is there. Uh, all the guys are there. Eleven's there. Um, you got Steve and the girl that works with him at the ice cream shop. Um and they're all on the floor and there's what looks like either broken glass or popcorn or something all, all around the floor. And they're all looking off in one direction as if something has just happened. Uh, again, you have no context for any of this stuff. Any of these uh, quick cuts in the montage, you have no idea what they mean. You just know that something is going to go down, which of course it is because it's a television show and because it's Stranger Things, things are going to happen. So, but they're all things to just kind of put images in your head. And most of them you'll probably forget until you see them again during the show, if you even connect with them then. But they're trying to build up suspense to get you to watch the show, which other than new viewers, I think it's fairly unnecessary. I think the problem is because they've gone so long between season two and season three that the kids have grown. They have to to uh, explain that, the time differences and all that. But the bigger problem is, we've kind of gotten it out of our system. I mean, at least I have. I actually had to go back and watch seasons one and two before doing this podcast to even see if I really wanted to do this about the uh, podcast about the show because it had just been so long. And I'm kind of like, I don't even remember what was it I liked about it, what didn't I like. And then, of course, you know, it all came flooding back. But it that's a long time to go and lose your audience and then just bring them back and expect them to be able to jump in and not have to reacquaint themselves. So the trailers help with that for sure. But obviously they want people to know that it's going to be intense. They're going to bring it this year, just like they have in the past. So you get this image and it's right when they kind of do that, that big heavy trailer hit and the music dies off 
and then they go into the next uh, portion of the trailer. And at this point, we're already about, uh, you know, two minutes and five seconds in. So we've got a little over a minute left to go in the trailer. And here's where they're going to do their let's let's take a breath moment. You know what? I just realized I missed something in the trailer. So I'm going to touch on this really quickly. The one person that we haven't talked about that um, we had really hoped that we would be able to forget about that wouldn't come back, but you know they have to because you really need someone in the group dynamic of the story that needs to be sort of an, uh, an antagonist would be um, Billy, Maxine's stepbrother or half-brother or whatever he is. Um, the the guy that just, you know, hates everybody, full of anger, you know. Uh, and, and at the end, you kind of understand a little bit why he is, but but not really enough to warrant him being so over the top about things, but they show him he's walking at a pool and some girl gives him a look. And of course he's got all his confidence back and uh, he's not going to show any, any sign of weakness in public. One of the things that they flash on, which I hadn't even really thought about because I just kind of forgot him all, about him altogether was Murray Bowman. And if you guys remember, Murray Bowman was the one that was kind of the instigator with uh, Nancy and Jonathan getting them to his house so that they could formulate a plan to go live with all this news that they had. And uh, also that's where they uh, where they hooked up. And uh, so he's back for whatever reason. So you know that with him comes new conspiracy, new things he's found out. Uh, maybe he's being chased by somebody. I don't know. But he's definitely coming back in the season to to what extent. I don't know. He wasn't in season two a whole lot, but he was a, a pretty important character. So it's not about the screen time. It's about the action uh, to me. And then the the trailer culminates in uh, Eleven making a motion and then them going inside a building and you hear the monster growl and the lights are, are out and uh, the exit sign disappears. So you know that the monster has now uh, moved in front of it so that you can't see the exit sign anymore, which is kind of a, a subconscious thing because you feel like this horrible thing stands between you and safety. Not even just that there's this horrible thing in the room, but it has now blocked your escape. There's no getting away from it, even though there are probably other exits in, in, in this building, but uh, they definitely want to plant that image in your head, that helpless. I need to see how they get out of this feel. And the more that you're invested in these really cute and cool kids, the more that you feel uh, a sense of urgency to find out what's going to save them or how they're going to get out. And if you're really, really intently watching the show to where you don't even realize you're in a room watching your television, then most likely you're going to feel like you need to find the exit. Like this is your safety that's on the line, even though you're sitting comfortably in your chair or couch or, or whatever. Uh, if you're that, uh, that deeply connected with it. So that's obviously what they're going for. And hopefully that's the case. And you hear the monster grumbling, and then, of course, the lights flash on, and you hear the typical scream of whatever thing has come out of the upside down. And I don't know what it is in this movie that every monster's mouth has to be stringy, you know, have strings hanging from top to bottom. I don't know anything about the creatures, so I don't know what that's all about in their genetic makeup, but you just kind of take it as that's the way that they look wherever they come from. And this is the way this one looks. He's obviously very angry. I mean, they're not, they're not a cuddly race of, of creatures. They're not, they're not creatures that you would think, you know what, maybe if he just got to know me a little, or if I could just train him or, or get him to calm down and, you know, show him some love. Like these things are just pure evil. There's nothing that's going to make them happy. And it's always interesting when you have movies where the, uh, the, the main characters are going up against a, a race of creatures 
most of them uh, just scream. They're angry. They have horrible uh, faces with teeth that are just ready to rip your head off. And uh, it's it's not like if you were to have a movie where uh, maybe people go up against uh, a pride of lions or something. And, and, you know, some of the younger lions, you can almost even befriend. And, uh, and maybe when you see the, the uh, adults, when they see them, that they're befriending the humans and that they're not a danger, that the lions become something that you can befriend. It, it's not even like that. It's a matter of all of these creatures are going to kill you. They don't, they've never seen you before, but for whatever reason, they're after you just because you're in the room or they saw you. You must be edible or prey or avenged or hurt or whatever it is. Uh, but there's just, there's not any dynamic that I could ever see happening on the show other than what they did with uh, season two with having the, the little uh, baby creature that was in the garbage can. That's about the only uh, chance that you could have for any sort of like warm, fuzzy, cuddly moments because these things are like terminators. They're just killing machines. That's all they are. And even though we don't know why, we know that you get away from them. You don't run towards them and try to, you know, speak to them in a soothing voice to to earn their friendship. Just not going to happen with these things, at least in the light that they're presented to us. Because as soon as they see anything, they scream, they start chasing after you. There's even even in the animal kingdom, that doesn't really happen as much. There has to be a threat. There's usually a, a long standoff. Um, it just doesn't happen like this. So there's definitely something in the sci-fi community that I've noticed movie after movie after movie that it's pretty much like this. It's pretty rare that there's any connection between a creature and a person. Whereas I feel in wildlife or the reality of if this something like this were to happen, I feel like there would probably be at least some option, I guess is the word for that. Um, at least in a in a world where creatures have brains and hearts they've got to have some ability for compassion, even if it's for their own offspring. And God even only imagine these things mating and having other little horrible creatures that want to bite your head off. So they show the creature, the, the lights come on, they show the creature, it screams, it has the stringy mouth, and obviously it's not happy. Why would it be? And uh, and then they they flip to the Strangers three, uh, Stranger Things 3 logo. And of course, the classic synthesizer music, which which is really cool. I love the sound design and I love the music on the show. I think they've done such a great job with that. Definitely, again, really brings you right into that 80s new wave synthesizer time. And uh, for, for those of us that grew up in that generation, it's very, very familiar. But it also has the, – the main theme also has a little bit of a creepy tone in it, especially with the angelic part at the end, which almost sounds like a vocalist, but I don't think it is. Um, just the whole thing is done really well. It feels like it's intense, but also mesmerizing at the same time and distracting, but – uh, making you feel a bit of a sense of uh, unease and like, I probably shouldn't be in this room or I should be looking around because I have a sense of uh, doom over my head. And then they flip to a funny scene because it's time to break the tension now. And they film to the scene now of Stephen and Dustin who are now uh, sword fighting playfully, very playfully. Uh, Steve is in his ice cream shop uniform and there's a very bored looking girl at the counter who we saw earlier uh, when, when they showed him and uh, they just do this playful sword fighting. So this is the point where I'm gathering that obviously they're going to become buds. Now, Steve lost the girl. He's alienated her new boyfriend. He's really kind of ostracized himself from the friends that he had prior because of, of the girl and, and the guy. And uh, now he's just got the kids. So that's who he is going to hang out with. That's who he's going to play with. Maybe he feels a little bit of responsibility to protect them after what happened on the last season. 
that would make sense. I think that would be reasonable to uh, to feel. And because he's got no one else, well, I'll just go watch over these kids and make sure they're okay. I think that would be very natural to happen in real life. So I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that. That's probably the premise in the show as well. So they go to sword fighting, and then the girl behind the counter who looks incredibly bored just says uh, makes a comment about how many you know how many kids do you have as friends and. Uh, I, I, you know, they needed a little bit of a moment of uh, tension breaking hilarity, I guess. I didn't really find it that funny, but I get the flow of things. They want to, you know, kind of just give you a last breath before they show you the final image of the trailer. And uh, still knowing that we're at the time, I think it was about six weeks out from the first episode when they put this trailer online. Interestingly, though, they didn't give us a surprising image or anything at the end. They go from the joke that the girl makes to uh, a Netflix logo uh, that that morphs into a you know basically giant subscribe button looking thing, and then that slides over and they do the Stranger Things logo with again season two's premise of this giant tentacled creature uh, with uh, that's in the clouds with uh, red lightning in the background. Very very haunting image, but it's nothing new. So for me. Even though the season two ended with that image uh, when they were out at the arcade, I think it was. Um, and you knew that that storyline wasn't really over. It's still kind of like, you know, you could have given us a, a twist on it or something different, but it looks to me like it's the exact same Im- image from season two. So they're just kind of maybe making you, uh, making your mind go back and reacquainting yourself with that so that you're kind of ready to start season three. I was actually expecting another monster scream or, uh, you know, something where the kids are trapped and they're panicking or just kind of some like one last shot at shock before they end the trailer. And um, surprisingly, that didn't happen. Now, I had mentioned that the trailer was three minutes and 12 seconds. That actually includes the logo for the company uh, that put it up, at least the one that I saw. Um, I did go on and listen to some of the fan fiction things. And it's interesting that they agreed with me on a couple of things that I had thought about myself, which is the the potential Joyce and Hopper relationship. Um, also, the uh, the kids growing up thing and, and having to explain how they're so much older than they were before. Um, and I, I, I don't know if that's going to be a mistake or not. You've got such a small time period to capture kids a, a, as they grow. And I mean, that was a big problem on the Harry Potter series too, because, uh, they had to very carefully time things so that while the films came out, they were in continuity of their growth. And, uh, even thinking about things like the exorcist, which I believe took them a year and a half to film. And Linda Blair was very young at that point. I mean, those are developmental years. So she's going to be growing up and looking different. Um, hormones are going to be changing, which are going to change her facial features and her body and the way she moves. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really tough for filmmakers to work with, with younger people because of that. Once you've been past that, then, you know, obviously the progressions are so much more slowly that you could take a year or two to fil- for, uh, film something and not have to worry as much about the continuity of it uh, as far as their age goes. Because if you don't shoot the opening scene for two years after you've shot the rest uh, or started shooting the rest of the movie and you have to go back, one of your main characters is obviously two years older in real life, but maybe they aren't in the story. So why do they look older than they will two minutes from now? when the story is a progression of time. So those things have to be done very, very carefully. And even though the films are typically shot out of order, um, you almost kind of want to shoot it more in order or as much as you can to to just avoid those kind of continuity errors. So I'll be curious to see how that all plays out, how they explain the time change, how they explain, you know, how much they've grown up, 
how Eleven becomes back integrated, how she deals with this dynamic of this new girl, because she really shunned her. I mean, at the at the end, when uh, Mike was in the room and she saw Mike and the girl had hel- held out her hand to shake it, she just blew her right off because, of course, we saw them uh, dancing earlier and that's when uh, Eleven ran away. Instead of just going running in and thinking that Will would be happy to see her because he wasn't sad and he was with somebody else, then, of course, he must not care about her anymore. And then she stomped up. So it's starting off with the premise that she doesn't like this girl, but even just from the trailer, you see him hanging out at the mall. You see him hanging out in one of their bedrooms. So you know that they're going to bond at some point, how that will all come about. I don't know, but that'll be uh, interesting to watch their relationship develop. And then just a little prediction from me. I would guarantee that at some point, either, She's going to start either Eleven's going to start liking somebody that Maxine likes or Maxine will start liking Mike or maybe she already does, even though uh, really she's spending her time with uh, Lucas. I, you know, I just don't know. I don't know how it's going to play out, but I have a feeling that there's going to be just like we saw in season two, there was kind of a mini love triangle building between Maxine, Lucas and Dustin. I think that there's going to be a love triangle between Eleven, Maxine and whichever guy it's going to be. I'm not sure. I don't know if Dustin will start getting a girlfriend because obviously he's starting to find an attraction to women. He really, really desperately wanted to find someone to dance with at the dance. And I don't think that was as much about just not looking like a dork being alone as it really was like finding a girl to have a connection with because, you know, obviously they're hitting puberty. So, and, and obviously at the same time, Mike was going through that. He wanted to have a connection with Eleven and uh, it's getting to be that time. Lucas was really interested in uh, in Maxine and maybe he still will be. I'm not sure. I think that storyline at the end of season two just kind of ended with them dancing, if I'm not mistaken. So it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. I kind of, I'm kind of torn on it because it's so good as it is to start introducing the the dynamic of emotions and sexual chemistry and feelings and what they think at that age love is. It's kind of like, I'm not ready to go there yet. Can we have a couple more seasons before that becomes an issue? Because once it does, then that's always there. And you can't, you can't really close that door. You can downplay it, but you've got to have it. So we'll see where it goes. I'm very curious, but I think it's going to be potentially a good season. I love season one. Didn't really care for season two, even though it had its moments. So we're going to see where season three goes. I love that some of the characters are fearless, like... Um, you know, towards the the end of season two, when Will was, uh, uh, you know, having to have uh, at the pinnacle of the monster taking him over, them just really not punishing him, but putting him through whatever they needed to do to get the demon out, that they weren't more like, oh, my God, I can't do this. He's my son, or he's my brother, or he's, you know, he's our friend. They did whatever they had to do to save him. And I like that they're willing to go to those lengths to do that for people. I think that's going to come into play very, very heavily, because I think as, as things go on, they're going to be faced with more and more difficult decisions. And it's nice to see that at least right now, they've got some stamina to stand up against things that are challenging. And uh, a lot of people would just uh, probably fold under those conditions, just saying, I can't, I can't turn the heat up on my son. I can't make him miserable. I can't hurt him to get this demon out. Even though I know it's the right thing to do, I just can't. Uh, I don't see that as much with these people. Uh, maybe Maxine, because she hasn't really had to be as challenged just yet. She hasn't really had to face that much in comparison to what they've been through. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. But I think it's going to be a good season. Um, Hopefully uh, we'll be able to do a review of each show and you guys will like it. And if you do, I'll keep doing it. If you don't, I'll stop. Uh, But the trailer was uh, 
was pretty interesting. I would just say when you watch it, don't read that much into it, even though I just did. And just take it for what it is. Remember that they're showing you little bursts of things and it w- without the context of what any of the scenes actually mean, all of those flashes are really kind of meaningless. So take it as you will. Um, the first episode airs. Well, I'm not sure how they're going to do it. I think the first two years, didn't the whole thing just come out? It was just available and you could watch the whole season. Um, if that's the case, I'm not sure how I'll schedule the, uh, the reviews of each show just yet, but uh, we'll see. Cause I've got to have time to watch it and make notes and then, you know, and then record the show. And I kind of don't really know that I want to do that every day in a row, but it also, it's like, it's current, it's fresh. You got to hit it while it's hot. So I'll find some happy medium between the two and, and get all the episodes done in a reasonably quick amount of time. And uh, in the meantime, thank you guys for joining me for episode 45. We're five away from the big five Oh, and I have no idea what I'm going to do for that yet. So we'll, we'll see. And uh, thanks for joining me on the Haskin Cast podcast. Remember to leave your feedback or star ratings on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, uh, Google Play. Uh, iTunes is, is like my favorite one. And then, of course, you know, you may be listening to the show on my website, which doesn't have a rating system. Feel free to hop over to any of the other ones that do and, and leave a rating, leave a review if you like. Uh, email me if you want at scott at scotthaskin.com. Uh, I answer all that email myself and uh, be happy to, to hear from you guys. See if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything at all. And I thank you all for the support. It means a lot to me for you guys that uh, come and listen to the show every week. Hopefully I'm being entertaining, give you something to put a smile on your face, or maybe give you an opportunity to learn something that you might not already know. That's kind of the goal of it. Um, I said in the beginning of the show that, you know, the show is probably going to morph and there's a possibility it will, you know, I've got friends that are doing some really amazing things in the world that aren't directly entertainment related. And uh, I think it'd be great to be able to talk to some of them and, and share with the world what they're doing. I mean, some really cool things. Some is like cutting edge science and some of it's just what they're doing for other people. And I think it might be kind of good to hear uh, some good stories because typically in the world of media, we're just surrounded by this is awful. This horrible thing happened. Look at what the president is doing. Look at this. Look at that. Look at lies and deceit. And, you know, it just would be nice to have some nice positive stuff to just go back and listen to and have some feel good things whenever you want. So um, I don't know if, when or if I'm going to do that. Like I said, the summer's kind of tight with, with uh, entertainment people a lot. So uh, maybe I'll find some time during there to do some of those episodes. We'll see how it goes. But in the meantime, thank you for joining me. I hope to see you guys again next week when I'll be talking to whoever I'll be talking to and uh, take care of yourselves. Thank you guys.